the message is not come like you are and stay like you are. (laughs) The message is come like you are and then let God work on you. Hello, this is the Adventure Through the Bible podcast. My name is Matt. Joining me today are Eric. Hello. And in the same time zone, Karen. Why is it so early? (laughs) Is that the way it works, Karen? (laughs) Yeah, it's earlier here. When I'm when I'm when I'm doing this at home, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been up so long. Are we ready to record yet? (laughs) And I'd forgotten. Yeah, I you know I'd forgotten that it's just yeah what it feels like like oh no we're ready to start let's start (laughs) that inner i think that inner clock should be working maybe a little better but maybe not i don't know (laughs) well i've i've um not so happily rediscovered my colorado allergies when i was a kid i never had allergies didn't even know what they felt like moved to alaska as a teenager lived there for a million years never had allergies moved to colorado allergies i was just like I, I didn't even know what it was. I was like, do I have a sinus infection that won't quit? I'm talking to my coworkers about it. They're like, no, it's <laughs> called allergies. Oh, oh, this is what allergies feel like? This is terrible. <laughs> well, then I moved to Kentucky. Allergies go away. I'm back in the state. Allergies. I'm like, ugh. Wow. Uh, but your hair looks fantastic right now. My so. hair is, my skin is so mad at me for coming back to a drier state. And my hair was like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can be decent, workable. No big 80s hair for Karen while she's in Colorado. It's normal. (laughs) Well, it was cool having you you in the area, even if it's only for a short time. So um, I am I am I am staying at my daughter's apartment. I'm in the heart of Denver. There is a train rail not too far away and my window is open so just let me know if i need to shut that i don't i i find it faint enough to not be annoying but i don't know what's going to come through the microphone so tell me if i need to close right. the window. well between your trains and whatever's happening in in eric's cabin everybody's spread all over the place you're you're not home but you're closer here eric is up in the mountains at uh, at, at his cabin and well tracy's not with us today because he's out in new york and having computer issues He's out there visiting his son, who is uh, stationed out there in the Coast Guard. So you know, all over. I don't doubt Tracy in the slightest. <laughs> but I'm just saying, out there, it's probably time for breakfast. Well, I was just gonna say he he he's even more uh, further ahead than you're used to. So <laughs> so yeah, maybe he's just oh guys, my computer it just doesn't Pancakes. work. So so Pancakes. so listeners, you can all. Uh, berate Tracy all you want because well, he's either he's either eating breakfast or he's thinking about that Dominican Republic food that he gets out there. Yeah, right. <laughs> either way, we're abandoned. It's yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I I'm in my house, so good job. You know, I I haven't gone anywhere. I'm uh, I'm I'm the boring one this week. So you know, usually I'm the fun and uh, and 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 jovial one that. Well, derails the conversations, so that probably won't change. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's get to our discussion here this week. We are continuing in the book of Jeremiah. We are going to be talking about the bo- uh, the chapters 23 through 26. Now, our, you will recall that Jeremiah has been uh, giving messages to uh, the people of Jerusalem, and they're not. They don't really like those messages. Uh, this wouldn't be the first time that Jerusalem has gotten messages that they don't like. And uh, we've had various, you know, prophets have had various success with delivering those messages to Jerusalem in the past. And, uh, well, I think it's safe to say that Jeremiah is not having a great time with it, but he continues forward. Uh, I think last week even he was like, I would quit if I could, but I just, I can't because the message is, is uh so prevalent in my life. So anyway, he is continuing on and we jump right in with chapter three of a really interesting message, I think, where he starts out talking about a warning to the leaders who mislead people. And that seems to have been a problem for quite a while throughout Israel is the the people who are 
in charge, the people who are uh, in the limelight, uh, the ones that people, you know, would have a tendency to want to listen to. They are they are spreading a false narrative to the people that everything is fine. Everything is good. Um, and you got nothing to worry about. So the message that Jeremiah has is a warning to them starting right off about misleading the people. And, and this is chapter 23. I think everyone knows that, but you missed it a minute ago. Did I? Yeah, it's fine. I just, oh, it's 23. Okay. I don't know what I said anymore, but that was a long time ago. So <laughs> yeah, chapter 23 verse, but just, just right out the gate though. Um, what did you, what, what did you think about that? Or I guess, what are your feelings on that with this idea of leadership that misleads? And I don't know if it's an intentional misleading or if it's just, I mean, from some of the other things we, we read this week, it sounds more like it's along the lines of, uh, we just don't like what Jeremiah is saying, or we like better the narrative that we have in our head. What do you think of the warning that they're be, being given here? I don't think this is new. This mm -hmm. has been through the whole book of Jeremiah. And Jesus speaks of it when he talks in the New Testament. He says, is is there been a prophet that I've sent to you that you didn't persecute or kill? Mm -hmm. you know, this is this is not new. This is part of their theme. In chapter 23, there's another line where they, quote, follow their own stubborn hearts. This is the fifth time we see that phrase in Jeremiah. People do not want to hear bad news, period. They just won't. They won't hear it. And they will come up with any excuse to be okay with what they want to hear. And... In the face of what is obviously misleading or a lie, people will choose what they want to believe. And here, the children of Israel, they're, they're still in it. This is, this is old news as far as the book of uh, Jeremiah and the children of Israel are, uh, are concerned. And it's just, it's super obvious what's happening with Jeremiah. And other people know this. Because when Jeremiah is threatened with violence and so on, somebody does come to his aid. And when they, we, we, uh, in past weeks, we know that the king knew that Jeremiah was speaking the truth because in the face of danger, he, sp he sent the very person who had been abusing Jeremiah to Jeremiah to get the word of the Lord. So this isn't a mystery. This is not misunderstanding. This is just flat out. They want to believe what they want to believe. They want to do what they want to do at any cost and here we go it was a problem back here in jeremiah's day and i think it is still a problem today yeah yeah so when i think about this i i i, I am aware of the human end of it i am more excited about god's end of it because we we humans have so many ways to get lost <laughs> So many ways to get lost. You guys remember the the parable, the three parables in a row. There was the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the prodigal son. Mm -hmm. Right? So, like, the lost coin doesn't even know it's lost. The owner is still looking for it. The lost sheep knows it's lost, doesn't have a clue what to do. The shepherd is still looking for it. Right? The prodigal son chooses to be lost. No, give me my inheritance. I'm going to go have fun. And then only comes back when it's when there's nothing left. Like there's these degrees of lostness and it doesn't matter. God is still looking for us. So when I when I read this, when I read this, I think to myself, how many of those people in Israel genuinely believed their leaders and were not lost because of their own personal infidelity? Do we choose who we listen to? Yes. Do we always have good information about how to choose who we listen to? Not necessarily, you know, depending on your level of awareness and this and that and the other. I just love the fact that it doesn't matter if the leaders are crooked. God's still going to gather you back up. And, you know, uh, verse four, and I'm reading my Bible is huge because it's one of those side by sides. It's huge. And I knew my daughter would have one, so I didn't bring it on on the trip. So I'm reading something called the. New century version. I don't really know what that is. But in verse 4 of 23, God says, I will place new leaders over my people who will take care of them. And my people will not be afraid or terrified again, and none of them will be lost. 
Like he can do this. He can gather up his people from the ends of the earth and he will. And for any of us who have ever been pursued by God from whatever state of wandering or oblivion or stupidity we had we had sort of gone off into, it's just, I, I really like it. Yeah, it's something here that I notice is that this warning is not so much for the people who have gotten lost uh, as a result of the bad leadership. It's definitely a warning for the bad leadership. Yeah. Uh, um, I think it's a, it's definitely a warning we should all take to heart if we're in any kind of a position to lead somebody, to lead somebody else, to be certain that we are leading properly. Uh, because there's, there is special consideration put on leaders to, to be good leaders to, uh, and, and not to, not to lead the people astray because like you said, Karen, you know, God is constantly, he's constantly following us regardless of our level of lostness. But if we're the ones that are doing the misleading, it sounds like there's, uh, it's just, it's, it's not awesome. Yeah. And I just, you know, this, this addresses both evil leaders and false prophets. So the first part of the chapter is evil leaders. The second part of the chapter is false prophets. Uh, I have seen in my own little life, which is not consequential to the universe in the slightest, but even I have seen damage done by evil leaders and false prophets. And that damage is ongoing. Mm -hmm. And I, I hate it when I see it happen. You know, of course I do what I can when I see it happen. You know, there's some nasty stuff that goes on out there within God's people, but I'm glad that they'll be held accountable. I'm, I like this chapter. I'm glad that God calls it out specifically. And I'm glad that he then turns right around and knows where every lost person is and goes after them in whatever way they need to be pursued. Yeah, and then the way it seems that he is talking about pursuing the people is by promising a king to come to save Judah later. He calls him the branch of righteousness, and he'll perform justice and righteousness, and he'll be called the Lord our righteousness. I don't think our our hindsight can have any question about who we're talking about here. I think this is obviously talking about Jesus. Um, I don't know what the people at the time would have gotten that, but... Um, if they understood this was messianic or what, but I suppose they probably did, but obviously, you know, not, not the way we would, but if you, if you, if you read it as a messianic thing, you know, position yourself in, I don't know, uh, what uh, BC 100, right. Mm. That you could be thinking if you read this without the spiritual context. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you just read this with a political context, the idea that there's going to be a Messiah to save us and set everything right and get rid of the the crooked rulers. Well, how easy would that be when we see crooked rulers to think Romans, yes. right? And they were primed for a civil leadership that would enforce their their uh, you know national beliefs and set them free to finally be you know make make Israel great again. And this is what they were expecting. And in reading 23, I mean, I admit, I, I read this and like, if you weren't reading it with a spiritual component, or, or, or I should say even the emphasis on the spiritual end, it would be pretty easy to be expecting a Messiah who would come along and, uh, you know, overthrow the Romans. Mm, I suppose so, especially when we're, you know, it's coming in the context of knowing that if the people are listening, knowing that. Uh, Judah and Jerusalem are going to be carried away by the Babylonians. You know, if they're believing this, believing that there's going to be a a physical oppressor coming from the north, another kingdom coming from the north to uh, to carry them away, then yeah, I think uh, I think you could you could see that they would expect some sort of some sort of uh, military political messiah if they weren't quite getting the concept well he talks about how there's going to be a perspective shift and i think we talked about this maybe a week or two ago too where their perspective has been the lord who brought them out of egypt and then it's not going to be that anymore it's gonna be the lord who brought them out of 
Babylon. It doesn't specifically say Babylon here in the text, but um, brought them all out of the kingdoms of the north. Um, they'll they'll have their own perspective on the deliverance that is coming their way. Where I mean, how many hundreds of years are we now after after the Exodus? Where you know, if they're still looking at yeah, you know, the God who brought us out of Egypt, maybe they're starting to lose. I think not. Maybe I think they're probably starting to lose the importance of that perspective. You know, they 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 have a history but they don't have a personal experience and God is saying you'll have a personal experience with this now. So we do get into this concept of the false prophets. It says false prophets and empty oracles is the way it was put in the new King James. And God has a complete disdain for the false leading by the priests and the prophets. So now we're not just talking about political leaders. We're talking about the religious leaders who are, uh, bringing falsehoods to the people and trying to get them to believe these things. He he doesn't really pull any punches. He talks about the land being full of adulterers and comes right out and says their course of life is evil. That's, you know, if you consider your course of life, if somebody is pointing out that your course of life is evil, that's uh that's not a great place to be. It's not a good position to be in. Um Because, you know, I mean, I think we can lose our perspective, I guess, and think that we're going the right way. And in their case, these people are claiming to speak for God. Did they believe it? I have to wonder. But Jeremiah is definitely putting out to them that what they're doing is not good. Calls prophet and priest profane. Their ways are slippery. It's, uh, I don't know, there's, um, I mean, they're strengthening evildoers, he says, and no one is turning away from wickedness. Well, why would they? You know, if everybody is saying everything is good, everything is fine, you got nothing to worry about, you know, unless unless your eyes are open for yourself and you're taking a look around and (laughs) doing your own research as as we hear so much these days. But, um, you know, if you're just believing what's, what's spooned out to you, you know, why, why would you be turning? Discernment, right. Mm -hmm. So I'm remembering, I had to flip around, and I really don't like not having my Bible because my child's Bible is not laid out like mine, and I can't find anything. Mm -hmm. But I finally found it. So at the end of Isaiah, or not in the end of Isaiah, but in Isaiah 30, it it had these, starting in verse 9, it says, These people are like children who lie and refuse to obey. They refuse to listen to the Lord's teachings. They tell the seers, don't see any more visions. They say to the prophets, don't tell us the truth. Say things that will make us feel good. See only good things for us. Stop blocking our path. Get out of our way. Stop telling us about God, the Holy One of Israel, right? So some of this can be crooked prophets. And in other times, this sort of, inherent flaw in human nature is with the people they wouldn't want to hear it anyway well and that maybe you know that speaks to maybe why those priests and prophets and kings and whatever were going the way they were i know yeah and i would say that could easily be circular like do the do the prophets follow the will of the people do the or do the prophets get off track and then the people get used to hearing that and then when the truth comes along, they don't even know how to digest it. Like maybe the prophets are just afraid to buck the system, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's there's certainly a time when God preaches love, peace, joy, acceptance, gentleness, come to my arms, children, and I'll protect you like a mother hen protects her chicks, right? There's okay. a time and a place for that message. There's also a time and a place for straighten up, trouble's coming. It's not going to be pretty and here's what it's going to look like, right? But... There's the there's I think there's phases of society that they go through that we we go through I think we probably still do it today where we we go through phases where we're ready for some gritty truth and some change and then there's other phases of society where we're not and how false prophecy fits into that it's a little bit of a chicken and the egg thing I don't really know but I think there's been plenty plenty of times of both where where people were hungry for truth and couldn't find it. Or where people didn't want to hear truth, even when it was ready to, you know, tap them gently in the face in the face with a two by four. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I would suspect 
I would suspect it's circular, like you were saying, to mm-hmm. to a degree. Ultimately, that fault still falls on those people who have been specifically called to give a message. It does. And and, and they give the wrong one. So, yes, the people, the people are, you know, tell us what we want to hear. And the prophets are OK, uh, but it's the prophets who are in the worst position by by complying to it with it to the point where God says, don't even listen to the prophets, which is uh, an interesting thing for God to say. I mean, you know, why do prophets get sent? Because they're supposed to be listened to. And God is saying, no, nah, don't even listen to these guys because I didn't send them. I think one of the things that's it's important uh, as we think about this is, I mean, there's the people in Jeremiah's day. There were the prophets in Jeremiah's day. And we look at it in the context of the time in which it was shared. And then we look at it and say, well, what can we apply to us today? And yes, it applies to leaders, leadership um, today, both civic and religious, I think. But there's, I believe, more of an opportunity today than there ever has been before for us to dig in ourselves. I mean, I don't think there was the word of God wasn't in everybody's hands back in Jeremiah's day. They couldn't just pull out their smartphone and look up. Now, what did Isaiah say about that? You know, Karen just flipped back a couple pages in her Bible and read what Isaiah said. They didn't have that, right? So the people were far more dependent on their leaders then, uh, I think, in for knowledge, I should say, than we are now. Because yeah. you can find the Bible. You can look this stuff up for yourself. And I think that the responsibility for us today is a bit more on our shoulders as um, as individuals because the opportunity is there. Now, there's also a flood of misinformation because you can find anything you want to believe. You'll find someone who will back it up. But the opportunity also to go to God's word and find out what that says is is becoming more and more accessible all the time. And there are parts of the world where that's harder than other places, for sure. But there are also organizations that are working very hard to broadcast God's word into uh, parts of the world where it's where it's difficult. And so this is as I look at this, it is it is a call to me to, for two things. One is I need to pay attention to it myself. What does God say? And the second part is I don't need to do what I can to help put God's word in front of other people so that they are not dependent on whatever they are told by someone else, which may or may not be true. Yeah. Yeah. We are in a we are in an interesting time where we just really can't we can't claim ignorance to the point that people have been able to in the past. We've we've got we've got information more readily available. And if you go right to the source here, which in, you know, in our case, like you're saying, easily found on our smartphones, you can get an app for free to read scripture and, uh, and, and read and find out what it says. Um, we can't, uh, we can't place quite as much maybe on our pastors as we have in the past. So we really do have to do some of this for ourselves. And so there's a couple of, I've been, I've been uh, looking up texts here. There's a couple of texts that this reminded me of. There's one in Matthew 13 where Jesus is talking to people. And it says followers came to Jesus and said, why do you use stories to teach the people? All right. So part of his response is, verse 13, this is why I use stories to teach the people. They see, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really hear or understand. So they show the things that Isaiah said about them are true. You will listen and listen, but you will not understand. You will look and look, and you will not learn. For the minds of the people have become stubborn. Right? And it kind of goes on from there. And then there's a thing in in 2 Timothy 4. says, the time will come when people will not listen to the true teaching, but will find many more teachers who please them by saying the things they want to hear. They will stop listening to the truth and will begin to follow false stories. So there's there's a warning here, exact, exactly what Eric is saying. You know, if you have a belief, if you have a thing you want to hear, you can find it. Mm-hmm. You know, the age of with with great communication has come great misinformation. And so our discernment really needs to ratchet up. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's no end. longer a narrow platform of dissemblers of the truth. Absolutely. Oh, oh, go ahead, Matt. No, no, that's it. Go ahead. I was going to say there's a there's a call to people who do see it in twenty three twenty eight. Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but him who has my word speak my word faithfully. Yeah. There's there's a call to say if you've found the truth, you need to speak up. You know, it, it's kind of like if we're all kind of stumbling through the desert and dying of thirst and somebody finds a well, it's like you, you need to speak up and say, hey, there's water over here, y'all. You, you, you've got to come over here and get this. And I think Jeremiah is called to this. And if we, you know, take apply that principle, it's like what is there for us? I think we're called to that also. Yeah, and it gets to the point in the chapter where God doesn't even want them to use the phrase oracles of the Lord anymore. You know, when somebody says, what does the oracle of the Lord say? God wants them to say, what oracle? Because your own words are your oracle. You're, you know, it's kind of like we're making this up as we go. And and God doesn't even want him to use that phrase anymore. It, it, the way I was reading it, he doesn't even want Jeremiah to say that. He, you know, he does, just doesn't want anybody does not want to hear people trying to say this is what God says, you know, uh, because so many of them are just uh, just spouting off their own garbage. And uh, so it's like, just just stop it. Just stop. Don't want to you know, stop. Stop saying that you're, you're, you're speaking on my behalf because you're not. Oh, this was a... really, really quick before we go on. There was one yeah. verse in 23 that stood out to me. <clears throat> it was sort of like. It's, it's a bit of a clarion call to make sure which message you're hearing, where God says, isn't my message like a fire, says mm. the Lord? Isn't it like a hammer that smashes a rock? And the further, uh, the further off track the people get, the more, of an, the more of a sticks out like a sore thumb becomes the message of God. Yeah, you know, I think maybe some of the way I take that to be is if you're getting a message that somebody says is from God, and that message is everything's fine. You don't need to change anything about yourself. I don't. I I, I would say that that would be a that would be a message to ignore. Uh, when has God ever said, "Yeah, you guys are perfectly fine. Don't worry about a thing. Don't worry about changing a thing." You know, if if God's word is supposed to change us, it's supposed to disrupt us. It's supposed to make us reconsider and you know reform our values. And that's a constant that should be a, a constant thing where we are perpetually reevaluating our position and and considering, um, you know, what changes do we make? Do we need to make and, and what is God actually calling us to do rather than just stewing in our self, you know, whatever. But, but yeah, if we don't think that God's word is is here to change us, then I think we've got something. We've got another thing coming, as they would say. So we get into Jer uh, Jeremiah chapter 24. This was a really short chapter, very short chapter. But it's an interesting, it was an interesting vision that Jeremiah gets of two baskets of figs that are set out in front of the temple. And we're given a little historical context for this, too, because we're told that this is after the son of Jehoiakim has been carried away by Nebuchadnezzar. So this this carrying away has already been starting to happen at this point. People are already starting to get hauled off to, to Babylon. And Jeremiah gets this vision of these two baskets of figs, and one is really, really good, and the other is really bad. This is so bad that you can't even eat them. They're just, they're just awful. Interestingly, the good figs are the ones who get carried away, and that would almost seem like a like a backwards logic to us. You know, you would think if if you were on if you were the good ones, you might be left alone. But I guess we're talking here almost like a like a harvesting. You know, if you if you if the if the figs are worth worth anything, they'd be the ones you would take, right? And the bad figs are the people who stay behind in Jerusalem. These are the people that are going to have all the trouble, the sword and the famine and the pestilence. And this is the message that is being given 
it's a reiteration of what's been said before. When these guys come, don't resist it. Just go on to Babylon because that's where you're going to be saved. You're not going to be saved here in Jerusalem. You're not going to be saved sitting here because this is where this is where all the bad stuff is going to happen. Yeah, and so uh, don't 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 sit here thinking you're safe because this is not the place to be. It's interesting that the it would be kind of opposite of what they would think. They would think that like, man, if you stay in Jerusalem and you because st- after all, Jerusalem is the city of the Lord, right? It's that those who stay and who are the patriots who stand up for this, those are the ones that God says, now you're all going to die. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to submit yourself to the, um, well, to the Babylonians and go into captivity. You, you, This is a choice. You go out and you surrender to them, and those are the ones who have opportunity to come back. And he says in uh Verse 7, I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. These are some of the exiles, not all of them, because some of them are going to die in exile. I mean, it's said that. But that specifically, it's those who surrendered and who went to Babylon, some of them are going to have an opportunity to come back. And those who stay and who resist are going to die a pretty terrible death. And I'm sure there was quite the uh, quite the political, um, how should I say, uh, blowback, because like, oh, you can't be a quitter. You can't give up to the Babylonians. We're God's people, you know? And it, it doesn't say that explicitly here in, in 24-25, but between the lines, I can sure imagine Jeremiah getting a lot of pressure from folks who— um, who said, yeah, we're not going to give up. What are you talking about? And this isn't the first time we've seen this rather counterintuitive leadership that what God says to do, but here it is again. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a, I think it's a big message for us to listen to of learning to listen for God's voice and be willing to go where he says we need to go and not get stuck into the concept of, well, I am of such and such an organization, so I'm going to be just fine. Or, you know, I was great, you know, five years ago. I should, you know, I should still be good now. Um, 100%. Yes. Because sometimes he says, stand your ground. And sometimes he says, time to move. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have to, you've got to listen. You have to listen to God's voice and, and know when he's telling you, to change, you know, because he could be telling you, I want you to travel in this direction and just uh, just keep going. And if we just, you know, keep going and then he starts saying, I want you to turn right. And you're like, no, you told me to keep moving this way. You told me to keep going forward. I'm not going to change now. And God is saying, no, I want you to turn right. And you're like, no, no, I'm going to keep moving forward because that's what you told me to do. You've got to be willing to listen for for those directions. And understand that what God said yesterday, while it's, I mean, he's not changing, but, you know, what he told you to do yesterday may not be what he's telling you to do today. And that's sort of what's happening here. And that may not mean, and by the way, I don't believe that that means that God has changed. Right. I think that means you have changed. You're in a different place in your life and he needs something different from you now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's gotten you to a position he needs you in. And now it's time to get you to go a different direction. Were you going to say something, Eric? I was going to say that's different than God contradicting himself. Right. Because as we saw the children of Israel entering the promised land, sometimes he says, march around the city seven times. Sometimes he says, send the choir out. Sometimes he says, send a certain number of people out. Sometimes he says, I'll do the whole thing for you. That's not contradicting himself. He's saying, just like you said, Matt, it's like, okay, I need you to go you know, to the right here for a little bit, and mm-hmm. then you turn left. And that's not him contradicting himself. He's just... He's continuing to say, this is how you need to be going. And I think it's an important note to say, when God asks us to do things, he does not contradict what he's asked us to do in the past. And on the podcast, we've talked a lot about sacrifice and how human sacrifice was never a part of God's plan. And even the time it shows up briefly with Abraham and Isaac, that's a test of of Abraham's um, surrender. It's not God calling for human sacrifice because he doesn't want it. To, he doesn't want him to go through with that, and he never did. That's just me saying God isn't contradicting what he said. This is off limits. Mm-hmm. He's not going to go back and say, well, I was just kidding. You know, I mean, just for that. 
that whole adultery thing, I only I only meant that for the Israelites. I mean, for you guys now, I mean, you guys are okay with that. He's not going to be doing that kind of stuff. But in this case, he is calling them to listen uh, for what they should be doing. It's like time for you to stay here, time for you to go. Jesus did this with his disciples. Sometimes he'd say, now it's time for you to all go out and don't make provision for yourselves. And then later, Jesus says, well, you don't build a tower without counting the cost. You got to stop and figure out what this is, what this really means, you know? So it's those things are the things we, we need to be listening for. And I think I, basically I'm saying 100 percent, Matt, we, we need to be listening for what God is asking us to do right now, because it might not be what we were asked to do five years ago. All right. So as we step then into chapter 25, we get. A little more historical context here. We're talking about the fourth year of Jehoiakim, which is also the first year of Nebuchadnezzar. So this is, uh, well, this is three kings before uh, uh, Judah gets carried away, but Nebuchadnezzar is already raising his head, or at least he's already uh, in power, which, you know, also tells us that Nebuchadnezzar didn't let the grass grow under his feet very long before he started doing what he was going to do. We're told here that God has been speaking to Jeremiah for like 23 years now. 23 years? I mean, can you remember back 23 years, how much your life has changed in 23 years? And if God had been giving you messages for that long, that's a significant, that's a significant portion of his life. Um, and he's talking about how God has sent prophets, and the people haven't listened, and the message has been for them to repent and not serve the false gods. We've We've talked about this message many, many times here on the podcast about about how God is constantly asking the people to come back to him, not serve the false gods, how that applies in our lives to come back to him and not serve the false gods that draw our attention today, which don't look anything like the false gods of of ancient Israel. Our our false gods are uh, are are very different and maybe in a lot of ways less tangible than theirs were to the point where we may not even think of them as gods, but which of course is the point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we, you're like, oh, well, you know, I like to do this thing and I don't think that's so bad or, you know, things like that. And, um, so we, you know, we have our false gods too. And that is, that is the constant message of God to repent, uh, repent, but the people haven't been listening to this. And it makes us wonder, makes me wonder, you know, how much do we listen to it today? Because that's still, you know, that's still going to be God's message. You know, always told that God doesn't change and his message has always been come back to me, come back to me, come back to me. Ever since the very beginning of, you know, way back in Eden, when Adam and Eve went and, and ate the fruit and they tried to hide and God went after them, went looking for them. Where did you go? You know, why, what, what, what happened? And, and, uh, he's always been looking for the people. He's always been looking for us and always trying to get us to come back. Related to that, there's, there are two times in chapter 25 where specific dates are given, not dates, but years mm-hmm. you, you, like you alluded to, there's, there's 23 years. Jeremiah says, you've been listening to the same message 23 years in a row, same 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 cassette tape on rewind, right? Hmm. And he says there's going to be 70 years in Babylon. That's in uh, verse 11. Hmm. And I think it's interesting that the rest of this chapter, the, the context of this is that all nations are going to be punished, starting in Jerusalem and kind of going out in concentric circles here. It would be easy to think, at least then and certainly now, that God's punishment is delayed. It's not going to happen. It's like, you've been saying this for so long. It's like, come on, it's never going to happen. Hmm. Noah preaches for 120 years. I believe it's in the book of Peter where people say, uh, where he says, um, where is this coming of the Lord? Talk speaking of the second coming. Hmm. And we see, though, that the captivity in Babylon and the fall of Jerusalem now is in the rearview mirror. It's It happened. That sometimes we may be tempted to think it's like, oh, God's going to just work with us forever. It's never going to actually, ha- it's not going to actually happen. And that's essentially what the false prophets and priests were saying. But it 
does happen. You know, my divider, and it's not part of the biblical text, but in in verse in chapter twenty five says the cup of the Lord's wrath, mm-hmm. and as we read that, to me it sounds pretty universal. In, in verse twenty nine says I'm summoning a sword against the inhabitants of the earth, and there are some pretty universal sounding things here. And again, I think this is one of those chapters in prophecy that kind of shifts in and out of the timeline that it it speaks to the people in Jeremiah's day. And I think it speaks to us in our day as well. And that's why I think it's, it's more than just history reading this. My point being that when God gives us warnings and says, turn around, we would be mistaken to think that because it takes a long time because of his patience, that it will never happen. Mm-hmm. That's not the same thing. Because it doesn't happen immediately doesn't mean it won't happen. Mm-hmm. Because it will. Yeah, and also, I mean, you spoke here of the universality of the warning. I mean, I, I took some time here and was just looking at all the different nations that these this warning is to. I mean, when God says take it to the nations, I mean, he's not like talking one or two. And he's certainly not talking only about Judah. I mean, the ones I was able to pick out Judah, Egypt, Uz, the Philistines, Edom, Moab, Ammon, Tyre, Sidon, Dedan, Tema, Buzz. Um, those three are from the coastlines across the sea, so they're even further away. Arabia, Zimri, Elam, the Medes, and Shishak. I mean, you know, when the, these warnings, I mean, this is, this is God saying that this stuff is going to happen to all of you. And I see that as important because... Uh, often I see people these days are like, well, I'm not a Christian, so, you know, these things don't matter to me. I don't have to do that because, uh, you know, and, and I just wonder, it's like, well, what do you think is going to happen to you? I mean, if, I mean, if it's just a matter of unbelief, I suppose I could understand to some degree that, that, but, yeah, for sure. but, but if you believe that I believe it and you believe that it's going to be true for me, you know, then, then, you know, this isn't a you know it, it it's not just a matter of individual truth you know it's not what's true for me may not be true for you in this case you know i mean we're talking i mean we're talking about actual um consequences of things and god is saying here no 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 all of this all of this all of you are going yeah, literally, to be he says in verse 31 he's entering into judgment with all flesh Mm-hmm. I mean, this mm-hmm. is kind of a universality type of thing where it's like I may not believe as a kid. There were times when I was pretty sure that gravity did not apply to me. I could put a cape on and I could envision myself flying. And I'm here to tell you that never worked out. <laughs> my, <laughs> my belief did not change that fact. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's really kind of the point here. It's like you can't. You know, people can't just look to us as Christians and think that the things we believe are only going to apply to us if they're true. You know, and I suppose that is a question to to be explored is if the things we believe are actually true. But if you look at me and you think it's true for me, then you have to consider that it's got to be true for you as well. You know, when we're talking about ultimate salvation, I mean, if we're talking about having a good time here for the you know, however long we're here, 80, 90, 100 years, if you're lucky, then okay, fine, you know, do what you want to do, have a good time, you know, as I think as it says somewhere in the Bible, it's like, well, you've, you've gotten your reward, you know, but if if uh, if you believe that I do what I do because I follow Jesus, and I believe that following Jesus leads to salvation and not my downfall, uh, that should be something that people consider, but they just don't, they just don't. And yeah, God is saying, no, this is for, this is for you too. This is for all of, all of them, all y'all, as they say in some parts of the country, even to the point where God is saying, you know, the city that's got my name on it, I am, I'm going to bring calamity on them. And how do you think that you guys who don't follow me are going to come out of this unscathed? You shouldn't, you absolutely shouldn't. All right, so chapter 26, things start to culminate here for Jeremiah. We're told that this is in the beginning of Jehoiakim's reign. And 
God says to Jeremiah to stand in the temple court and speak the words that he commands him to speak and don't leave out even a single word, nothing. He, he's, he's got a very specific message to give. And uh, even with all of the, the talk about being carried off to Babylon and all this bad stuff that's going to happen, it says like even, you know, if you say these things to them, maybe the people will turn around and maybe I won't have to bring the calamity. Now, I don't think this is God saying, well, man, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, you know, but it's more like God is saying it, it, it's God constantly giving the opportunity for the people to repent and turn around. And I suppose if they did turn around, he would have repent. He would have, uh, how are they always put it, relented and and left Judah safe where they were. He, he knows they won't, I think. But nevertheless, he's a fair God and is continuing to give warning. This is one of those if-then moments that we talk about a lot, that uh, they they would continue to have opportunity. But at this point, I think God's message has been pretty clear that he knows that, that they're not going to uh, change. But through this, the priests and prophets hear Jeremiah saying these things, and they capture him, and they're ready to kill him because they don't like his message. It's an if-then, you know, 12 and 13, the Lord sent mm-hmm. me to say everything you have heard about this temple and this city. Now change your lives and start doing good and obey the Lord your God. Then he will change his mind and not bring on you the disaster mm-hmm. he has told you about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's given them the message that God had just given them. Like God said, don't leave this out. So, so yeah, there's still a chance. There is an opportunity. Are you going to take it? But, you know, he says, here, here, nevertheless, here I am. You know, do what you want. Um, you, you've got me, so do what you want with me. But if you kill me, just know that you're going to have innocent blood on your hands. And that had me thinking way back to Genesis, where we were talking about the price of the, or the blood price put on us. Um, Eric spoke to that uh, pretty well, but um, way back then. Innocent blood. Though specifically, you know, Jeremiah, Jeremiah knows that he's given the message he's supposed to give. And I don't know. It seems maybe it's safe to say that these prophets know that he's giving a message he's supposed to give. And maybe they're just blocking. I don't know. I don't really quite get it, how they could refuse to hear it so much. But other than they just don't want to. They just don't want to hear the bad news. I think there's a point in, in everybody's life where the truth, the Holy Spirit, is the one that convicts, and we know the right thing we should do. And as we choose, and I believe it starts with the small things, what we want to do versus the things that we should do, as we make those choices against the Holy Spirit over and over and over again, that eventually we shut it out, and now we have the ability to truly, wholeheartedly, completely believe a lie, a flat-out, flagrant lie. We believe it because of the choices we have made earlier in our lives to, to tend towards what we wanted to tend towards. And then there is a certain point at which I believe people really, really do believe a lie. Now, they have chosen to believe that lie. At some point, they knew it wasn't true. And if that's wrong then God is at fault for holding us responsible for doing the wrong thing, because it would have been his fault, right? We'd say, well, we never knew. I think God's going to be able to look back and say, everybody has an opportunity to choose. And here's where you chose to go off the rails. And if Isaiah and Jeremiah is any any indicator, is that God didn't remind somebody once and said, well, I told you that one time and you didn't listen. Is That's not how God works. Karen mentioned that earlier in the in the podcast, is that no matter where we are or how far off the rails we are, he's he's really trying to reach out to us over and over and over again in different ways, over long periods of time, and so on. But that if we steadfastly refuse it, we will be, we will believe a lie. Mm -hmm. And we get to where these people are now. Where were they in that journey? I, I don't know about them. But I think that is a possibility. 
How could somebody believe such a such a bald-faced lie? Well, wow. You'd be surprised. <laughs> yep. It's out there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it speaks to me of, and I don't remember where it's written, and you guys can help me with this, because I don't always remember chapter and verse, but I remember concepts where it's talk about how blaspheming the Holy Spirit is the unforgivable sin. You know, a lot of people have ideas about what the unforgivable sin is, but it's blaspheming the Holy Spirit, which means putting your yourself into the position of the Holy Spirit, where you trust your own wisdom, where you trust your own guidance to make the decisions and you stop listening to the Holy Spirit and call yeah. it blaspheming the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is God. And if yeah. you place yourself into that position, it's a position of blasphemy. And it's unforgivable because if you stop listening, completely stop listening, then like Eric said, you start believing the lie and acting on the lie and never turn around because you just don't listen anymore. That's why it becomes unforgivable. It's unforgivable because you have gotten to the point where you wouldn't even ask for forgiveness for it anyway. Because you don't yes. think you're doing anything wrong. Yeah, yes. You basically lose your rudder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's what we see over and over in Isaiah, Jeremiah, where it says you're just following your your own heart. You were doing whatever you want to do. It goes back to Judges. Everybody did what was right in their own in their own eyes, and wow, what a mess that made. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's not it's not a simple one time. Oops, I I screwed up, and now I will never be saved. It is it's a basically a lifetime. It's a long downward spiral to get to a point where you just don't even listen anymore. You don't want to hear it. You don't care. You don't worry about it. And, you know, I've heard, I've had people, you know, talk, I've talked to people before who've worried about it. You know, how do I know I haven't, I haven't committed it? And I said, well, because you're worrying about it. That's how, you know, <laughs> if, right. you, I, if you, yes, I remember having a conversation with somebody once and I said, Hey man, I'm really, I'm, they were making some choices in their life that were, uh, not the kind of choices that God honors, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, man, I'm praying for you as you struggle for, with sin. And he said to me, dude, I'm not struggling with sin. I thought, okay, well, yeah, you really need prayers now. <laughs> because they were just flat out said, no, I'm not struggling with it anymore. Like, wow, yeah. okay, that's that's mm -hmm. where we get into the deep, deep, deep water. Is when, Like you said, when, when it doesn't bother us anymore at all. Yeah. So I think it's interesting in 26 that Jeremiah is basically he's arrested. He's in front of the officials and the prophets and the king and everybody's kind of around. And there are these two stories that are told where say where, where folks remind the king. It's like, well, there was this one time somebody prophesied against Jerusalem and, the, and your ancestors didn't kill him. Right. Mm -hmm. But then there's another story that's told. It's like, well, yeah, but you remember the other man this is in 20 there was another man who prophesied in the name of the lord and basically he ran away to egypt after he did prophesied because they wanted to kill him they sent secret agents essentially to egypt took him brought him back to israel and they killed him yeah so there's two ways this could have gone and everybody knew there were these two possible outcomes there was nothing mysterious about the fact that things don't always turn out one way or the other yeah, well, and we see the time where they didn't kill the prophet, that God relented from the message. And when they didn't turn, uh, or when they did kill the prophet, it sounded like things didn't, <laughs> didn't go well. It, it is interesting here to find that there is a contingency of people who are listening to Jeremiah. Because we're told that the princes and some of the people were defending Jeremiah because they believe they said he's speaking for God. And so, I mean, I guess it is refreshing to know that there are people who are listening to the prophet. Even while, you know, the major, it sounds like the major um, political and and uh, religious leaders were not. And they stand up, they stand up for him to the point where one particular guy named Ahikam really does protect jeremiah and he is able to jeremiah is able to then dodge 
<laughs> dodge the proverbial bullet, so to speak, uh, on this. That is pretty much it. I don't know. It was um, it's kind of a quick, short, sweet reading this week. I don't know. It's a continuing. It's a continuing message that we've been hearing, and uh, we know that we know that the Babylonians are coming. We know that God has been trying to warn them. He hasn't stopped warning them. And um, Jeremiah is holding holding fast. Boy, that you know that that says a lot to his character for me. It's encouraging, I guess, even because we know that Jeremiah isn't enjoying giving these messages. We we read that last week. He's absolutely not enjoying it, but he's he's sticking to it. He's following the leadership he's been given. He's been following the instructions that he's been given and uh, continuing to deliver this message. It's unpopular, but it does sound like he has a certain amount of people who are who are listening, which is good. Anything else? Was there any anything else here that was drawing your attention or any overall message here that that you wanted to really get pointed out? I think we had the high points. Yeah, I think the main thing that we and we and we kind of covered it, you know, but the the main thing that stood out to me was, you know, who are you listening to? You know, are they reliable? And, you know, here on Earth, we kind of struggle with that because some of what we consider to be our highest sources of information, they may or may not be good. You know, they may or may not be working for our interests. And it's hard to tell when there's when conflicting stuff is going on. But the things that you can count on is is God's word, you know, mm-hmm. he, Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. You know, the word of the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And this is both a call to smarten up and a reassurance. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, you know, as I was reading through this stuff, you know, about talking about leaders who don't have your best interests at heart and worse yet, spiritual leaders who are specifically going against what God says, like, that's a little scary to me. Yeah. But like, like Eric said, we all have a Bible, you know, mm-hmm. you can go pull one off the shelf or look it up online and read what God's word says. And if you, if you find it, you know, poking at you, if you find that the, that the pokiness of the sword is pointed inward, well, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're pushing the edges of what you ought to be doing or how you should be thinking, you know, and, um, you know, what was a first Samuel, you know, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And that, that's what it's talking about here. Like the word of God discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. He is perfectly able to do that. And so, you know, for when people are struggling, I do I do think there's a good fallback and it is reliable. And if you if you find that something in it is not reliable, you know, check within. Yeah. Not without. Because mm-hmm. there there are in this complex world a few things that you can count on. You know, and God's word and God's character and the the nudgings of the holy spirit you know when in doubt pray for discernment when in doubt pray for wisdom when in doubt pray for a soft heart so that you can feel the holy spirit at work that's kind of what i got out of it yeah and you know i was saying something earlier about you know we should expect god's word to be constantly looking for us to change and you know there's a message out there and i think it's a valid message where you know we're told god accepts you as you are god loves you just as you are uh, you true. know, come to God just like you are. Yes. But the message is not come like you are and stay like you are. <laughs> <laughs> the message is come like you are and then let God work on you and listen to him. And when that word, like you say, when that word is nudging at you and poking at you and saying this little bit about you isn't good, listen to that word and 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 see what it is you need to change see what see if you need to be prodded to the right or to the left and not keep going down that path you know so absolutely god loves you as you are but uh he doesn't expect you to stay just like that he's hoping that uh he's hoping that he can mold you and shape you and um move you along on a better path yeah 
Well, I think that will about wrap this discussion up then. Next week, we will be discussing Jeremiah chapters 27 through 31. While you're waiting for that and reading that, you can reach out to us at attbpodcast at theadventure.org with any questions or comments. You can look us up on Facebook and see if uh, we got anything there. I always post the podcast there, and occasionally I'll have little little tidbits and bits to look at there. Make sure you share the podcast. That's probably the most important thing I could ask for you right now is just to share that, share the podcast, help other people to hear the message, help us to get the word out, uh, and to get to know God better through it. And be sure that you subscribe so that we reach you in your feed each and every week. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks for listening.